Hey gang, and welcome to Screen Bloody Movies. I'm your host, Jamie Hiles. And I'm here, of course, as always, with my co-host, Derek Lemaster. What's up? And Lydia Judy. Say hi, Lydia. Hey. So, uh, we are here today to talk about... We've got a really great show for you tonight, uh, gang. We have a uh, lot to say about tonight's movie, um, which is the 2019 remake of uh, Pet Cemetery. Last episode, we reviewed Mary Lambert's 1989 original, and we all gave it high marks. I think I said it was eight pumpkins. Derek said seven. Lydia said ten. We were basically all on board for Mary Lambert's uh, Pet Cemetery. So we'll see how these grades reflect into the 2019 Pet Cemetery once we... Uh, get to that part. But first, we're going to open the show like we do every week with the horror news. So uh, there's not a lot of big horror news this week. Um, one of the biggest stories that broke today was that they are, Troma is remaking the Toxic Avenger. It's about time. And kind of burying the lead here. Elijah Wood is playing the villain. Ah. Say that one more time. <laughs> Elijah Wood is playing the villain in the new Toxic Avenger remake. So let's start with you, Lydia. What do you think of this? I don't. I don't have any thoughts on this yet. I. This is brand new. I. It, it hasn't sunk in yet. I don't know. I. I didn't really. I don't think I've seen the Toxic Avenger, but like I've seen, you know, I know of it and everything, but I don't think I ever watched it. So I don't really have any thoughts on Elijah Wood playing it. <laughs> Derek, your thoughts. Uh, so, man, I remember when I was a little kid staying up to watch Gilbert Gottfried's USA Up All Night. Oh. That was the first time that I saw the Toxic Avenger. And I was like, what in the hell is this? But... So I'm excited to see um, a new chapter uh, in that, uh, that movie franchise. But, uh, I mean, Elijah Wood, I think, is a good actor. I just am curious when his uh, career tanked so hard that he was going to be in the Toxic Avenger. <laughs> hey, Chroma hey. these days are A+. They are in the upper echelon of Hollywood. <laughs> what was the last movie or one of the last movies that they produced? Oh, Troma's been making movies for, I mean, they make, I think they pump out two movies a year or something. Oh, dude. But, you guys, as I'm looking, as I'm looking up this news, this literally just happened. New news just broke that uh, Peter Dinklage is also starring in the remake to Toxic Avengers. Nice. Nice. Okay. Now, I'm really interested. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It is being, it is being written and directed by Macon Blair, um, and it's due to shoot later this year. It appears. So this is wow. wild stuff, as Johnny Carson would say. Yeah. Wild, wild stuff. <laughs> I like how we are dating well, ourselves horribly in this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am more interested now. I mean, Peter Dinklage is a, is a really good actor, so. So is Elijah Wood. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. he really is. We He's have. Ryan, so that could be so interesting. That's exciting news. I'm excited to see that. I've been a fan of the Toxic Avenger movies, like you said, Derek, since I was a kid. I remember watching them on TV late at night and uh, not knowing what the hell was going on. <laughs> so. I do recall that uh, his his wife or girlfriend was, uh, you know, blind, I think, which is probably a good thing for his in his situation. But, uh, yeah, I, this is going to be fun. I'll have to rewatch those. Yeah, so that's the big news of the day. Uh, also, um, a little side news is that um, Lydia and I, over not this last weekend, but the weekend before, watched uh, the new Saw movie. We saw Spiral. And uh, what did you think of it, Lydia? I really liked it. I really did. I liked it, too. I thought it was fun. Uh, it was, uh, you know, gory when it needed to be. It was uh, fun. It was a Saul movie. Yep. All right. So we had some technical difficulties. Derek uh, switched mics. Now you'll be able to see his lovely face. Say something, Derek. Something. <laughs> Totally worth the wait, folks. Totally worth the wait. <laughs> also, uh, tomorrow is the big release of uh, The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Yay! <laughs> is that going to come out on HBO Max? Is it? It's both theaters and HBO Max. Nice. Well, I'm going to have to resubscribe now. Yes. I'm excited. Uh, I'll probably be watching it tomorrow. I, I mean, I might, that would be one I'd probably take a trip to the theater to see. Yeah. Um, I loved the last two. And I know you were scared initially, Lydia, about the original preview. Have you seen any more previews? Yes, I have. And do you feel better? I do feel a little bit better, yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I'm still a little bit nervous just of the, the topic because I heard the, the story that it's kind of based on. So that'll be interesting to to see how it plays out. Yeah, it will. I, I agree. I think it'll be. Uh, it's all about how they approach it. Mm -hmm. And from what I've read on the reviews, it's getting really great reviews. Uh, people are saying it's breathing new life into the franchise, and uh, so that's that's really cool. I'm I'm excited to see see it. And then the last thing we're going to talk about is that. Um, Edgar Wright has a new horror movie coming out this year. Did you guys see this? I don't think so. It's called Last Night in Soho. Um, it's a psychological thriller that um, the plot synopsis is a young girl passionate in fashion design who is mysteriously able to enter the 1960s where she en encounters her idol, a dazzling wannabe singer. But 1960s London is not what it appears, and time seems to fall apart with shady consequences. So she basically lives the life of her idol in the 1960s, and it starts to interfere every time she goes to sleep, and then it starts to interfere into her real life in modern day life. That's kind of cool. So there was a movie with uh, Owen Wilson where he like went back in time, and that was a Woody yeah. Allen movie. Yeah. Was it a Woody Allen movie? It sounds like they borrowed a, a little bit from that. It was... But anyway. Uh, Edgar Wright is a fantastic filmmaker, of course. Shaun of the mm -hmm. Dead. Uh, Baby Driver. Um, 
World's End, all, all of the Cornetto trilogy. Um, so I'm really excited to see him delve into the world of actual horror. I think that'll be exciting. Yeah. It was kind of a slow news week as far as horror is concerned. Um, so that's kind of all I pulled today. Um, if there's any big ones, I'm sure the viewers and listeners will let me know about ones I missed and we'll get a reaction on that next week. Um, so now guys, we waited long enough. We're gonna dive into uh, Pet Cemetery, the 2019 remake, which I just watched again for only the second time last night. Um, I wanted to be as fresh as possible into it. Um, it is directed by Kevin Kolsch and Dennis Windmeyer. It uh, is based off of a screenplay by Jeff Bueller. Bueller. Um, and it stars Jason Clark, um, Amy Sametis, and John Lithgow. So let's get into this thing. Uh, first of all, um, let's start with you, Derek. This was the first time you've watched a movie, period, correct? Yep. So, so you I had no expectations. Right. You went into this thing blind. And Lydia, this is your second time watching it, right? Yes. And uh, how did you feel about it after your first viewing? I really hated it. I and I. <laughs> I feel terrible because I really wanted to love it because I loved the first one. So I went into the theater and I kind of had a sense that I wouldn't like it from the trailer. Uh, I was like, uh, I don't know about this guys. I, you know, I go in and I, I sit there and I'm literally the entire movie. I'm shaking my head. Like, no, this isn't <laughs> what they, you know, they did. I feel like they just did it wrong. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so the first time I watched it, after it was over, I thought it was meh. I, I, I didn't like love it. I didn't think it was the worst movie ever made. It just was meh to me. I was like, meh, okay. So this time I had a completely different experience watching it. And we'll get into that when we go through our uh, ratings at the end here. But um, let's just kind of start digging into this thing. So right off the bat, the tone is completely different than Mary Lambert's uh, Pet Cemetery, which is fine because it's not technically a remake. It's a readaption of Stephen King's novel. Um, but this whole time, it's going to be hard for us not to compare it to the 1989 original, just for the simple fact that that was as close of, of a um, adaption as a movie could be. I mean, the damn thing was written by Stephen King. <laughs> The screenplay was written by Stephen King. So it's like, you can't get a closer adaption than that. So it's a reinterpretation, a reimagining, and that's fine. And I was 100% open for that. Um, but there were some choices in here that I did not expect. Uh, and maybe some I didn't care for, probably. We'll, we'll get into it. Um, but right off the bat, this, this movie opens with a weird, like, flash-forward scene. Yeah. Like... Like, didn't need to be there at all. No. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I found it completely unnecessary. It yeah. was, like, I, like 
I mean, I understand, I guess, the concept as you want to build the intrigue. Oh, how did all this stuff happen? What happened here? But it it didn't need to be there. It yeah, just, you, you definitely don't need, like, a good movie, like the original, just <laughs> let you enjoy the movie without having that, like, oh, and then this is the very end. What do you think of that, Derek? <clears throat> it is... Uh... Not what I would have chosen to do. I, I feel like you really can't, because I we went into great detail about the opening of the original movie and how amazing it was. Yeah. So, or it being a uh, kind of a reimagining of that, uh, it had big shoes to fill and it stuck its little toe in there. So I didn't care for it at all. <laughs> yeah, so my problem with it, it's a, it's a modern editing technique. It's a, you know... Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it's not, it's not necessarily completely modern. I mean, the opening of um, Sunset Boulevard, the classic uh, Billy Wilder movie, opens with the end of the movie. You see our main character floating in the pool and him saying, hey, so I died. Here's how I died. And you're invested in that mystery. But it also yeah. had this thing called uh, great performances in stellar directing and stellar writing to make us want to go on that journey. Right, like it was an interesting choice where this one was like not an interesting choice. I think the biggest problem with that is that that the scene was just way too short. Like it was so vague and so short that it, if we had cut that out, we wouldn't have missed anything. Yeah, it didn't matter. It would have been, I think it would have been more effective just to show the creepy woods mm -hmm. and then the, you know, shots of the cemetery, kind of similar to what the, the 89 version did and then into the creeds driving. Um, <clears throat> so let's dig into the creeds a little bit. Uh, in this movie, we have Jason Clark playing Lewis. Um, and he plays him as, as kind of a more, uh, <laughs> surprisingly enough, if you can imagine it, a more subdued version of Lewis Creed than that was in the 1989 version. Right? Now I think Jason Clark, his performance is he, he's good in it. He does his job well, but the writing of the character makes him less interesting than the Lewis Creed that we are introduced to in the novel. Um, yeah, uh, and to touch on that, like, uh, not that I read a lot, but I have started listening to the audiobook, and I'm like halfway through, and the Keller, the character development in that man, you really feel for the characters. Like I'm getting right to the point where the, the story twists and like have such an attachment to those characters. And I, I'm sure a lot of that falls back on the actors and how they bring those characters to the screen. But, uh, you know, I'm like, no, don't, don't do this. And with him, I'm like, Hey, you know what? Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Get this over with. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, that's kind of the um, crux of the whole thing is that it, we're dependent on these actors. And Jason Clark plays Lewis, like I said, and he does a fine job. Uh, John Lithgow is Judd. Amy Simons is Rachel. And Jadette uh, Lawrence, who is great as Ellie, by the way. I think she is great in, like, she does plays her part well. I agree. But, but there are some problems that we're going to get into with this, with this whole thing. We're gonna we're gonna start unraveling all of this. So uh, first off, with with we talked about Lewis a little bit. 
Um, I feel like the biggest problem with this movie, as far as um, what, what my biggest critique is, is that the first half of this movie, where the character development should be, moves by so fast. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take any time to breathe. There's no time to develop these characters. So by the time that the, the, the proverbial shit hits the fan, you kind of don't care. Whereas in the book or in Mary Lambert's original 1989 version, by the time that the shit hits the fan, by the time that Gage gets hit by that semi, we have grown to care for Lewis. We've grown to love Judd unconditionally. At least I have. <laughs> We've grown to love Rachel. We've grown to love Ellie. We, we care about these characters. We don't want to see bad things happen to them. So when it does, it, it hurts. And, you know, we're like, we feel for these characters. In this one, those scenes kind of go by so quick. Um, which we'll touch on each of the other characters as we get to their big moments. But uh, the big first big scene of the movie is Ellie meeting Judd. So what did you guys think of, first of all, the introduction of Judd, the interaction with Judd in Lithgow as Judd? Lydia, you start. Um, yeah, I think I didn't hate the scene. I was kind of trying to look at it as its own movie and not compare so much. Like I was trying to kind of look both ways, you know? Um, and it's just so different than the first one it's like kind of creepy that she just starts talking to the stranger in the woods that kind of <laughs> bothers me a little bit but um yeah i don't hate i don't know i don't know how i feel about john lithgow as judd i i want to give him a chance you know it's big shoes yeah. to fill no i agree derek your your take on this uh well i mean in in the the book, uh, Lewis looks to him as like a second father, right? And so I think at the beginning of this movie, this movie's so forgettable. At the beginning of this movie, it's kind of uh, like they took it. He comes off as kind of a creepy person in the beginning, or if I'm getting that correct. And so, I mean, from the very beginning, they are laying a foundation for his character that just deviates so much from like what you loved about him in the 1989 version. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I just, that approach in general just did not click with me whatsoever. Your, uh, your thoughts on Lithgow as Judd? That was the worst casting decision that they could have made in this movie. I love John Lithgow. Uh, he has done some amazing things. Harry and the Hendersons. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> love that's that a great one. So it's a great one. Yeah, I mean, and you know, he's been on Third Rock. He's, you know, done things with the uh, recent uh, Planet of the Apes movie. Like, he's a great actor. This was not his character, uh, unfortunately. Maybe he could have made it his character. Maybe it would have was a, you know, a choice by the director to to push him in a certain direction. But um, he was, in my opinion, the worst cast um, person. For this movie, or Judd specifically, my opinion. 
So yeah, uh, I kind of agree with both of you. I agree with you, Lydia, as far as I, when he's introduced, I, again, when I watched it the first time, I just was watching a movie. When I watched it this time, I was watching it critically and trying to just watch it as its own movie. And by the time we get to that scene, which is very, very early in the movie, I mean, it is what, first 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Um, we're already at that, we're at that point. And Lithgow comes on and I immediately love him. I love John Lithgow. Just, I think he's great. I think he's so funny and he's so natural and he's just has a fatherly feeling to him. And then he starts talking and he's just kind of like, well, Barker, Barker. And I was like, what, what the hell is this? That's not, that's not Judd Crandall, you know? And yes, it's creepy that she talks to him. Uh, the problem with, to me, Lithgow's performance is that it's just a flat performance. It's kind of one note. He tries to, you know, come across a certain way, but what makes the novel Judd so important, like you said, Derek, is his relationship with Lewis and his relationship with the family. In this version, it seemed like they wanted his relationship to be with Ellie. That's who his anchor is, which would be fine, except the fact that we don't really get any of that. We get the first scene with them, then a second scene with them. Then, a, then you know, we just get very few scenes of them interacting. And then to your point about Judd and Lewis's relationship, Derek, um, it, in, the, in the movie, in this movie, it's like Lewis just doesn't even like it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like, he's like, this guy's an asshole, this old asshole here. You know, he's like annoyed by him. He's like, oh, what are you doing, Judd? Scaring the kids? And there's just, so I have a hard time buying that Judd would tell him the secret. I mean, yeah, I guess he cares for Ellie. But in the 1989 movie and in the book, by the time that church gets hit, he cares deeply for the, the creeds. He cares for this family. Yep. So this him to make that decision to let's tell Lewis about the pet cemetery so we can spare Ellie the pain makes sense. In this, it kind of comes off just like, he's like, would she really love that cat? Come on, let's climb up here. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, uh, a, a scene that should not have been like a, a comical scene <laughs> But when I watched it, it came across as that. Like, it was like a comic break. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get to it when he said, it's a loon. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, that is, <laughs> made me yeah. laugh. With Gals, with Gals line delivery of it's a loon is pretty hilarious. <laughs> it's not a great uh, line delivery. Actually, when I watched it, because you had mentioned that to me, Derek. And I was watching it, and it happened, and I started laughing out loud. I was like, God, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's uh, Judd, and we'll get more into the meat of it when we move forward. But um, so, you know, we get introduced to these characters really quick, and then we get introduced to Pascal about the same time frame that we do in the 1989 movie, except I don't know if you guys are going to agree with me, but I think Pascal is basically pointless in this film. 110%. Yep. They were literally talking about death like to Ellie before the before Pascal, which I'm pretty sure happens after Pascal in the in the original. Yeah, they were talking about death fairly early in this movie and it kind of comes out of nowhere. 
Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I guess she visited the cemetery, so to speak, but it's not near as, I mean, first of all, they age Ellie up. Ellie's been aged up from around six, which is what she is in the, in the novel to about 10. So she's kind of like nine, 10 years old here. So she has like this, you know, she's more capable of these thoughts and these monologues, which is kind of what they were going for. But it kind of takes away a lot of what happens towards the end of the movie, which we will definitely get into the end of this, this goddamn movie when we get there. <laughs> I have a lot to say about that, about the whole third act. I have a lot to say about the third act of this movie. But um, yeah, um, Pascal was introduced around the same time, Mark, but he is, first, the makeup effects on him, I'm not a fan of. Um, I think he looks more like he was like caught in a chemical burn than hit by a, a, a truck. And I mean, there's parts of it, his introductory scene that look pretty good. There's good gore uh, when it's coming out of his head and what have you. But the design, and I'm sorry, I know I'm going to sound like a record, doesn't look as good as it did 30 years ago. I agree. Yeah, and that's uh, that's a detriment to this movie because of just, you know, how well they can do things now. So... Yeah, strike number 10. <laughs> so we're introduced to Pascal around the same time. The scene is not near as eerie as it, as it could be. It's not and near it was as short. Yeah, that, exactly. It was way too short, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't any of them. So you know how in the novel and in, of course, in the, in the Mary Lambert movie that we discussed last week, um, we have um, the scene with Pascal is this kind of pretty cool, decently length scene where we get to see Pascal f out of nowhere know Lewis's name and talk about the, you know, uh, Stoney is the man's heart and this kind of stuff. In this one, he just is the lights flash. He's sitting up mm -hmm. and then he's like gone. And. Yeah. It's lame. In the, the first movie, he is a he is a character within that movie. Mm -hmm. In this, he's a footnote, essentially. Yeah, uh, his he, he doesn't drive the story forward. Like no. in any way, any meaningful way, at least. No, he does not. And also, what's what's crazy to me is how important Pascal is to the novel, um, mm -hmm. and how important he is to Mary Lambert's movie. How he's trying to convey to Lewis do not do these things. And he does everything within his power to make these things not happen. And even goes as far as trying to get the family involved, doing everything he can. Whereas in the, um, this one, he's in like three scenes mm -hmm. and he really does nothing impactful in those scenes. Just some really, I'm sorry to say, not scary jump scares. Right. And it's like, like the old Pascal, somehow that guy, the actor, like brought everything that he had to that role. And you really just like him, even though he's a terrifying ghost person that's like, you should be terrified of him, but you just like kind of just want to hang out at the same time. <laughs> and this guy is like, well, you're just kind of scary, but not even that scary. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just not as likable. Exactly. It's more like, it's like, yeah, man, I'm sorry you got hit by that truck. That sucks. Yeah. 
couple of the biggest deviations. And I mean, we're not going through it plot by plot necessarily. We're just kind of talking about the big points and we'll get to bits of the plot here in a minute. Um, Rachel's story is drastically different in this movie. Mm-hmm. And how do you feel about Rachel's story in this one? Lydia, you start. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm shocked that you would say such a thing. <laughs> I honestly, I can't, I watched this last week, so I haven't watched it this week. Um, and I honestly can't remember exactly what I hated about it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like, like Derek said, this movie's not memorable. It doesn't stick with you. It's not. Uh, Derek, do you have any thoughts before I go? Uh, no. Okay. So <laughs> let me talk about, <laughs> let me, since I just watched it last night, it's fresh in my mind. Rachel's story, first of all, um, is very much blended. Uh, they, they make it to where she's responsible for her sister's death. Yep. Oh, that's right. With the dumbwaiter. Yeah, which... Is- which- I hate terrible. it. Terrible. 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 Unnecessary. Yeah. It's, still, it's still not her fault, really, I don't think. No, I 100% agree. Um, yeah, now that is definitely coming back to me. And uh, I remember when I watched it, I was like, that's the laziest writing I've ever seen in my entire life. The way that they, uh, they brought that together. Yeah. Yes. It's very disjointed. And uh, it's like they had a bunch of these ideas to like, first of all, to improve on a masterwork, which is something, you know, you have Stephen King's novel here, mm-hmm. just transplant it. I mean, you don't have to transplant it page for page and you can take some risks, but it's there. The formula's there. Just do that. But um, the, first of all, Zelda in this movie is not scary, <laughs> which is completely a no-no. Zelda is, we talked about it, the most terrifying part of Mary Lambert's movie. I mean. Yeah. Well, and uh, where Lydia and I were having an issue remembering this scene, like literally I would not even have had to have rewatched the 89 version to remember the scene from when I was a kid of how yeah. effing scary her <laughs> character was. Yeah, she was terrifying. Yeah. She was terrifying. And so in this one we get a, a CG enhanced Zelda, which just looks bad. She's not scary. And then you have um, Rachel's character, who the the actress is doing all she can to to bring emotion to it, but the character is flatly written. Like, mm-hmm. in, you know, in the novel, she's a rich character. She's she has a, this phobia of death because it's not necessarily a phobia, but it's a a reckoning with death because she experienced it at such a young age and she mm-hmm. wants to shield her children from death because of this. In, the, in the, this new movie, they shoe in, they shoehorn in her uh, religious argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, have, they have her say, well, remember uh, when you die, you go to heaven because remember that's where grandma is, blah, blah, blah. Uh, grandma creeds in heaven. Which is, uh, and then, you know, Lewis says, well, or maybe there's not. It's nowhere near as, as crisp and as poignant as King's writing in the novel or the movie where the conversation between Ellie and Lewis were some of the best parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. 
especially since she's so young. Mm -hmm. right. In this movie, she's like 10 years old. Well, how do you not know what death is at that point? You I mean, you have a pretty good understanding of people die and then this happens. If you're six, you're less inclined to know that. Yeah. Well, especially this day and age too, you know, and this is kind of like more modern and kids see a lot of stuff on TV and have more questions where like Ellie in the eighties probably, you know, didn't see as much. Right. And the internet, right. you know what I mean? Like, Right. So let's get on with the plot a little bit here. Uh, so the, the movie progresses the first half similar to how the novel in the, the 89 version progress. You know, we have pa Pascal, we have the visit to the pet cemetery, but we don't have the visit with the family, which is um, unfortunate. Um, and then we have, you know, the... Um, Pascal's visitations. We have Church being killed and brought back. Which, while we're here, let's talk about Church for a minute. Let's talk about Church. I love the cat that they use. He's a beautiful cat. And Church is great. Uh, but why the hell did they turn him into such an asshole? <laughs> well, in my experience, cats are assholes. <laughs> So, um, Church's death brings me to a very good point, or a, a very, uh, brings up a point to me, which is in Mary Lambert's uh, movie, we're introduced to the semis pretty much immediately. The first shot coming out of the, the opening scene is a, is a semi. We see the semis regularly throughout a couple different scenes. In this one, we see the semis exactly, I think, once or twice. Um, we see the semi with the first jump scare of the movie when it drives by the road. And then we have Judd randomly call Lewis over awkwardly and say, oh, he must, must have been one of those damn trucks that got him. Now, when, when Church dies in the original movie, we're expecting, we understand that that could happen because we, the semis have already been built up, not only through visual cues, but through Judd's dialogue. He talked about it multiple times. That's a mean road there, it's chewed up many pets. You know. Hey, let me, uh, let me ask you a quick question. Mm -hmm. Would you say <laughs> that the semis in the original movie are more of a character than Pascal is in this movie? <laughs> yeah, absolutely I would. I was just curious if you agreed with me on that one. I would, absolutely. Would you agree with that, Lydia? Yeah, definitely. I didn't think of it like that, but that's hilarious. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So um, true. the burial scene of the first movie is really cool, right? I mean, we have him walk him, you know, walks him up, climbs the thing, the old man, and we talked about it in the, in the last podcast. In this one... It's like very matter of fact quick. The move that it looks like they're on a in front of a green screen and yep. shot on a studio back lot. So the original is 100% filmed outdoors mm -hmm. in natural light. And it makes this movie look cheap. It was actually filmed in Maine, too. Yeah. 
Right. I will. Uh, I will say uh, this specific section of the movie had a very brief scene that I really did like. Okay. Which What's was that? They were walking through the bog, and they're stepping in the water, and hmm. they're stepping on the skulls. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Terminator, but <laughs> it was like they're in the same universe. That I that I really vividly remember from this because I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah, it's a nice shot. It's a nice shot. There are some nice shots in this movie. Yeah, I must have right. looked away. I don't remember that at all. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, I I know exactly because yeah. it, it was pretty good sound design too. Because you step in and go <laughs> with it, like the water noises would make. But um, yeah, that that is that is cool. But in this one, he um, Lithgow just kind of says, um, "Follow me up here," and then. Well, you gotta bury your own. I'd help you, but I can't. You gotta <laughs> use the rock. He's like, "What are we doing? Burying a cat? Nothing more." Yeah. And it it it's not as. Doesn't I come wrote off. in my notes. I wrote Judd is a liar. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like he's not a liar in the other one. He just kind of like you know. He's, you know, I don't know. His dialogue was a lot different, I guess, but he's, he's more vague. He's like, he's in, a liar. Yeah, in this one, he's just like straight up, nothing else is happening. But in the, you know, he doesn't directly answer anything in, in, the, in the 89 version. He's just kind of like, got to bury your own. And Lewis is just kind of like, why the hell did we come clear up here? Yeah. Also, we don't get any talk of the Micmacs, which is kind of yeah. upsetting to me. I mean, you know, we don't get any of the history or the lore. We don't even get to see the Winnebago, or not Winnebago, the Windigo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, we don't get to see that RV drive through. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, it's so you. Church is alive, and the way that he's introduced is very underwhelming. Do you agree? Yep. He just like jumps on Judd's lap, isn't that? Is that how it is? No, that's how he's introduced originally. Yeah. How oh, he, he comes is back, you mean? Introduced, at, yeah, reintroduced. Yeah. In the closet. In the closet, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be a suspenseful scene, but it's not. <laughs> Unfortunately. They're like, he's right. She's like, he's right there, and it's like, oh my goodness, and then it's like, oh no, he is just right there. <laughs> yeah, just sitting there. Meow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's pretty rough. Terrifying. Um, no, but you just brought up a funny point, which is the uh, the awkward dinner scene. Yeah. Uh, that, with that sticks out to me. <laughs> it sticks out that. to me too. It is very weird, right? Yeah. yeah. Do you remember the scene, Derek? I didn't know. Oh, okay. I so tell her, tell her about the scene, Lydia. Uh, I don't. I can't. I don't think I can tell it. Like, okay. I so all I remember is just being terribly awkward. Okay. So here's here's the the cut. Like the exact cut is, um, Ellie is in Judd's house, and he's like, "Oh, do you always break into people's houses?" And they have like this no, little yeah. banter or what have she you. Finds the gun. And then yeah, she finds the gun and everything. And then he says, uh, she talks to him. Has like a a dialogue with him about uh, her cat or whatever. And then we just cut to dinner. <laughs> Judd is sitting at their, at their house with a <laughs> glass of wine. 
and Ellie is just doing like a ballerina dance in like the in the dining room in the room. Yeah. <laughs> and then Judd's like, "Thanks for inviting me over for dinner, folks." <laughs> it's just this super jarring cut, and then the cut from there is even more jarring because we have this. We church jumps on his lap. He's like, "Oh, I like him too." And then Gage is like. Uh, Church is a good cat. Yeah, Church is a good cat. Then we just kind of cut to the next scene. Yeah. Like a very, like, disjointed kind of thing. Yeah, I have to say, what, what do you guys think about Gage? I think Gage is super unmemorable in this. Yeah. Like, the kid is very cute and he's fine, but he has nothing to do. Do you think they well, tried to make and, him uh, look exactly like the old Gage almost? Kind of. I mean, he has darker hair. But like he's got a very similar face too. I yes. Think. Yes, but he doing nothing. Like I mean, he has nothing to do. <clears throat> yeah. Because Gage's big storyline is taken away from him. Well, and uh like where Ellie in the first movie uh kind of had that connection to Pascal mm -hmm. and now Gage has that connection to Pascal, but the I mean the verbal skills of a toddler compared to the verbal skills of a six or a six year old, but like just being able to communicate like to her mom, like, no, like this is happening. I, I had a bad dream. And he's right. like, Pascal, Pascal. <laughs> yeah, it is less, it is uh, less important. It feels like, because it's um, exactly what you said. There's a communication barrier. Moving, basically switching the kids storylines but keeping parts of the kids' storylines the same is a is what is very detrimental in this movie, mm -hmm. in my opinion. One hundred percent, yeah. Because then you, it's it's it doesn't quite flow like it's supposed to. Like we get, you know, Ellie's talk of death and her understanding of that, and you know the um, her regular storyline in in this movie. But then we also get Gage's, you know, coming back from the dead and his death scene and his um his whole arc is basically switched with ellie's at that point and he's supposed to take ellie's arc of being pascal communicating with him but that has no impact because of the lack of communication right yeah so the the arcs feel incomplete because they're just kind of switched yeah do you think if they if they would have been like how they should be do you think this movie would have been any better no, there's still a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> there's still a lot of problems, but I think it would be less, I would feel less offended by it. <laughs> Probably. Um, so let's get to the, let's get to the, the big scene. Let's get to um, Ellie's death. Spoilers. <laughs> so I, I was watching this last night. And it was getting up to the scene. And I remember I was um, like preparing myself. Okay, here we go. Here comes the, here's where the shoe drops. And this is where last time I watched this, I completely lost interest in this movie. Um, so I'm watching it and I had been, you know, laughing at other scenes and what have you. Um, then this scene happens. And Lewis has had a conversation with Judd prior, uh, where Judd basically says, 
yeah, the dog came after my mom and had to be put down a second time. And a very quick dialogue that's not near as impactful as multiple dialogue scenes building up to the fact that they don't come back the same mm-hmm. that we, we, we saw in the previous. So Lewis tries to put Church down. He's got a glove on. He's got a, a needle trying to put this cat down, and he realizes he can't do it. So he drops him off in the middle of nowhere and then drives away. Except he just seems like he just drops him off like down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have dropped that cat off a cliff. (laughs) So yeah, they he drops him off. They they're having Ellie's ninth birthday party. Ninth birthday party. So she's nine. And she's uh Judge just kind of the there, you know, uh, the, the whole family's there. They're doing their, their bits. And then uh, she's sad that church is gone, which bugs me. Because in the novel and in, in Mary Lambert's, we understand how much Ellie loves church. We get to see it. We see their interactions. We see mm-hmm. them together. We don't see that at all in this movie. We're just, this movie goes the route of, Tell, don't show, which, of course, you know, is the old movie adage. You want to tell and not show your audience. Um, so we get a tell, don't show. I miss church. Oh, yeah, you guys were really close. That's how we know they're close is because they said it. Mm-hmm. And um, she sees him down the road and she goes to get him. Gage follows. And then that's where we get the, the bait and switch. Lewis sees Gage in the middle of the road. He runs out, saves him from the semi in a horribly edited scene. We see the semi driver. We see a quick shot of his phone. We see him. Oh, he swerves. And then a cartoon. Sorry, I have to gather myself here. (laughs) A cartoon tanker pops off the back of the, 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 the truck and slides across the road and hits Ellie. It's like we're in a fucking Final Destination movie, guys. Right. Like, what would be wrong with Lewis pulling (laughs) Gage and then the truck hits her? Yeah. Be just as impactful and less stupid. (laughs) Yep. So what did you guys think of this scene? I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Well, I think it's tragic and looking at it as its own movie and not you know from a book or from another movie it's you know it is definitely sad the parents you know it's pretty heartbreaking to to put yourself there you know um but yeah as far as the comparing it to the original definitely um not as effective. No, no. And we'll get to the effectiveness of it uh, compared to the original. What did you think about the filmmaking in that scene? Well, I can tell you the, and I talked about this on the, on the last one, like that scene was so uh, emotional for me because, you know, I have a son who's three and so, like, that connection, like, I had none of that. Like, it really didn't bother me to watch that. And it's not because it was a girl. 
It's just because it it was not a a great. It wasn't. It didn't develop very well. You know what I mean? That is my problem with the scene. Taking out uh, the novel, taking out Mary uh, Lambert's original, um, and just judging the scene by itself, the scene just doesn't work because of the goofiness of the tanker. Mm-hmm. The goofiness of the tanker blunts the impact of it. Yeah. Um, the fact that the tanker flies off and the way it's like cut back and forth between them is like, I don't know, uh, movie of the week sort of stuff. Like it like has that lifetime movie of the week feel to that scene. Mm-hmm. Where it just, instead of, you know, showing it or, or feeling the impact of the thud, we get this kind of lifeless action scene, kind of. And the performance of uh, Jason Clark uh, when he finds her is great. And the performance of the uh, of Rachel's actress Amy Simon, uh, Simons, I think I'm saying that right. Her um, her performance is great when she comes around the the comes around the tanker and she's like can't even speak and can't do anything. And then Lewis runs over and lays on top of her. That is all, you know, very good, like very good acting. Yeah. It's the stuff leading up to it. The actual action is just, it's, it's not very good to me. Yeah, uh, I would uh, maybe sum it up. The simplicity of the original and the suspense of, uh, you know, him running towards the road with all of his might, right? And there's this inevitable event that's going to occur and you know it's going to happen. And then you switch to, you know, this version and it, to your point, like you've got this back and forth, you've got this tanker sliding down the road and what's going to happen? Who's it going to hit? There's just, there's a elegance and simplicity that like built that dread that uh, I think made it so hard for me to watch the original scene where this one, it just, it didn't hit me the same way. Like you knew knew it was going to hit Gage. Like you knew that was coming and it's like, you don't want it to happen so bad that you're like fully involved. And in this one, you're like, kind of like thinking Gage is going to get hit on on your first watch after knowing what the other movie is. But yeah, it's like, you're, you're like, well, Ellie's in the road with the cat and Gage is going to get, so what's going to happen? And it totally takes you out of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's clever what they did to a degree. I mean, they tried to, like we talked about earlier, switch the roles of the of the children, and it's kind of like a, um, you know, like a ooh gotcha moment. Like you thought mm-hmm. we were gonna hit Gage like normal, but we switched it. Mm-hmm. Which is like you know, like I I see where they're coming from, but it does not serve the story to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just doing a bait and switch for people that have watched the original. Yeah. But it blunts the impact for people that have not even seen the original and they watch it and they're kind of taken out of it, especially with the goofiness of the tanker and the the the, you know, the way it's it's put together. Like you said, Derek, the simplicity of the original is is it's just truck gauge Lewis impact. Mm -hmm. The economic the economy in the original movie, it's very economically told. The, the story is 
and with the shots. And there's some technical issues with the original. It's not a perfect movie, but it's uh, Lydia would disagree. But it, <laughs> it's uh, you know, um, but it's very economical in a storytelling approach. I guess what I'm trying to say is sometimes simpler is better. <laughs> oh boy. So after Ellie's demise, this movie turns up the diarrhea dial to 11. <laughs> Cause this is where the, the shit hits the fan in this movie, in my opinion. And not only because of the choices made, but it feels like the last, uh, after Ellie's death, the movie for some reason decides to get on speed and then just bowl through the rest of this movie without any development or any impact. Did you guys feel that way? Yes. Okay. Okay. I'll say this. Uh, knowing how the movie ends, the, uh, the transition that they did be between the two characters, the two children, was necessary, and even the, like, bumping her up. Um, because it would have just been completely out of the realm of believable had it they kept it the Correct. Same in way. So just for the sake of how the movie ended, I, I can get Yeah, that. but the ending is terrible. We'll get to that. The ending is terrible, so I don't know why you would switch around the whole movie just to tack on this crap-ass ending. But it's anyway. like they did it just for people who liked the first movie and like exactly. didn't care about the people who had never seen the first movie. Correct. So there are people out there. There are people out there, and we'll get into it, but there are definitely people out there that have never seen Mary Lambert's 1989 original and have never read Stephen King's book that think that this is how Stephen King's book goes. Yeah. So there and are there people are that are... There were kids in the theater when I went that were terrified. They were like screaming and I was like, what is happening? <laughs> to, to, to crib a, uh, a line from John Carpenter when uh, he was talking about Halloween 2, the original cut before he came in and re-edited it, he said it was about as uh, scary as an episode of Quincy. Right? And I think Quincy is scarier than this movie. That's like, I, there was no dread and no terror in this movie for me at all. Um, and we'll get to that when we go over the overall thing. But um, so after Ellie is brought back, so first of all, what's so great about the novel is we have this, we know there's this rift between Lewis and the in-laws. Mm -hmm. We know that there's this tension. We know there's a reason for Rachel to take Ellie and go to her in-laws, because they want her away from Lewis. They blame Lewis. Lewis is racked with guilt because he blames himself. All of these things are happening. And in the movie, all of that stuff is conveyed. We feel all those emotions. We know all of that to be true. In this movie, the decision to bring Ellie back is as haphazard as haphazard could be, in my opinion. It's he has sits, has a drink with Judd, and Judd says, they don't come back the same. And he's like drinking. He's like, she touched my heart like nobody ever has in a while. And then he just <laughs> passes out. <laughs> yeah, he drugged oh, well, he him. Drugged. Yeah, yeah, he's drugged. But it's like, which, but it's the, which is like totally out of yeah, character for the, for the for Lewis. Correct. Yeah. Lewis, yeah. But it's the whole weird that he does that. It's very weird. But what's also like awkward about it is the dialogue that we get is just that is just kind of 
she touched my heart like nobody else. And they don't come back the same. We don't get a Timmy Bitterman story. Right, yeah. We yeah. don't get a, a, a reason not to bring her back. Hey, these are the stakes. Here's what happens if you bring them back. It happened to me, here it is. Also, whenever Judd tells a story, which is only a couple times in this movie, but we never get any flashbacks. It's always tell, don't show. Yeah. Always tell, don't show, which is filmmaking sin number one. Yeah. You know, uh, what's more interesting? Me telling you about this great action scene or you watching an action scene? You know, that's why you go to movies. It's, it, it's a visual medium. So we get, you know, Lewis drugging Judd and he does his whole passing out thing. And then we just get this shot of Lewis in the car saying, oh, Judd, you know, I was having a few drinks with Judd. He passed out, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I'm just scared. You know, I just want to make sure you're okay. And he's like, yeah, babe, I'm great. I'm fine. And then we pan down. He's got a shovel. And then we're just at the cemetery. You know, I uh, one thing I do want to mention because it uh, we had talked about it when we we did the review for the the original. Um, I could never understand the animosity that the in laws had, um, but I get it because listening to the book, the book obviously is going to have more details in Correct. almost every aspect. But like uh, for anybody who is uh, listening to this and they want more context. You know, do try to read the book because it, it gives you a greater understanding of, of where that uh, their relationship kind of took a right turn. Right. Anyway. But in this movie, it's not even mentioned. There's no nope. mention of the in-laws at all. Uh, yep. And there's not even a funeral scene, really. Yeah, um, no weird. No weird fight in the middle of a funeral scene. So I guess that's good. <laughs> uh, but... Um, what we do get is him, you know, digging up Ellie. And th there's just no suspense to any of it. Like, and there's no time passage. You know, we, we get the feeling that, uh, you know, several days had passed in the original movie between him burying Ellie and him deciding to dig her up and bury her in the pet cemetery. And we get Judd's cautioning not to do it. And we get this kind of tension building to it's, and then we get Pascal saying, don't do that shit. Don't do that shit. In this, he just buries her, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, and then she comes back and she kind of just has like a lazy eye. Well, she got hit by a truck. But I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, if I got smashed by a, Tanker, I'd expect to have more than just a lazy eye, but then again, right. Gage got obliterated by a semi and had like a stitch. Right. <laughs> so what are you gonna do? You got smashed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I mean maybe he just clipped the bumper. Maybe. I mean, short. to be fair, Gage should have been like they should have had to soak It'll Gage up. To bring him home. Right. Well, I mean, he was probably so small he could have went under it. You know. Maybe like, he did. Maybe he got dragged under the wheels. Maybe. Yeah. Something. Maybe. I don't know. But, but I any, do wonder how they did that effect with her eyes. I think it's CG. You think so? Yeah, I think it's CG. 
take a seat. Yeah. Like they used a, it's similar to what they, it's similar. I wonder to, if they used tape at all. They might have. Kind of like pulled it. it. It's kind of similar to the effect that, you know, like a, the effect that they used on uh, Aaron Eck Eckhart for uh, The Dark Knight, how they had the, you know, the, when they turned him into Two-Face, how they oh, yeah. made his yeah. eye bigger on the one side. Right. Probably something similar to that. Um, tape would be the most elegant. I would love if that's how they did it. They just I went, mean, as, as like from a practical, you know, you could use tape and just just kind of distort her face and have this one going up more so this one will look down more. Like I was staring at it the whole time trying to figure it out because that's what I really like about the scary movies is like the effects that they use in them, like practical makeup and stuff. Well, yeah, that's what you want to see. We just don't get a lot of it in this movie. Yeah, um, we really don't. So what's, what's uh, when Ellie comes back, I'm not going to lie, you guys, I laughed out loud a lot. <laughs> like literally was laughing out loud. I'm sitting, here's, I'll set the scene for you guys. It's, you know, last night, the lights are off. I'm sitting in the living room. Sarah's in bed. It's just me sitting in the living room. And I think I have like a, a Coke and I'm just like, ha <laughs> 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 There's a scene where she's laying in bed. So first of all, the scene where he starts brushing her hair and when she's in the shower or in the bathtub and it starts coming out made me laugh. <laughs> Because it's just so awkwardly done. You're like, man, they put nair on that brush. Yeah. I was like, man, you got to get some vitamin D. I actually liked that part because um, that was like something that they did that was actually creative to the new to the new movie. To me, when I was in the theater, I was like, okay, that is actually creepy. When he's raking the staples. When he's raking the staples, that's that effective. Is, yes. Yeah, that was. When good. he's raking the staples, that's good. But before that, when he's just brushing, the hair's coming off. It's her reaction. She's just kind of like sitting, kind of stiff in the bathtub, and he's just stiffly brushing her hair yeah. in silence. It's just like, well, and yeah, and I don't know that would have made a difference, but uh, your kid just got like taken out by a tanker, and you're still, to a degree, you're still trying to shelter her, where she's like, "What's wrong, Daddy?" And he's like, "Nothing." At that point, you should probably be like, "Well, honey." <laughs> you got hit by a tanker. Well, yeah, he figures it out pretty quick. So I'm trying to work on your hair. So here's, the, yeah. so here's the thing. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing with, with the, there's another scene where she's laying in bed Yeah. right after that and the camera, it's the one that you're talking about where she's, and you, you see her face and it's like her lazy eye and <clears throat> she's just kind of like looking over and saying, and I laughed out loud. I was like, this is not supposed to be funny, but this is hilarious to me. Like, the choices they're making here are so bonkers, batshit crazy. Like, they're trying to have this poignant, deep dialogue, but it doesn't make sense for the character. And then, especially when you're revealing that basically she's a vessel for the evil, basically, mm -hmm. then it makes even less sense to me. So, basically... <laughs> They have, you know, they, 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 they have that first night together or whatever. You know, he's got his daughter back. Then the next morning opens with her dancing in the, <laughs> dancing in the dining room. And he's just like, at first he's like, oh. And then he's just like, hey, knock it off. And then she just starts breaking shit. 
and just stares him down. Yeah. And I know it's meant to be like, ooh, you know, she's not the same. It's spooky. But the way it's shot and choreographed, I found it hilarious. I thought it was like a sitcom. It's just like, and you expect to hear the laugh track. Ha ha ha. You better stop. Ha ha. I was like, what is going on with this crazy movie? What'd you guys think of the dancing breaking scene? It was kind of heartless. <laughs> yeah. In the sense that, like, you know, my child just came back from the dead and she started breaking stuff and you're, you know, telling her to stop and she keeps going like as I would have ran over to her and gave her a big hug. I mean, like, it's okay. It, it'll be okay. Instead, he's just like being stern. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, it just came across as disconnected. Yeah. I feel like there's a big difference uh, from from the original movie too with Lewis in that in that way of like him being like caring and like also being like he kind of like I mean in the movie he's kind of just like going through like in a fog of like decisions that he just like cannot figure anything out he's like okay I'll do this oh no it happened like this and then you know in this one he purposely drugs Judd and does whatever the heck he wants and he's like completely like aware of what's you know it's that this isn't good and he's doing it anyways yes so technically though i i don't like i don't know that i would have if like as if i were the character in that movie i probably would have done the same way because you know that judd is probably going to try to either reason with you or stop you so the fact that he drugs him like that kind of makes sense to me it's just like get him out of the way mm -hmm. so yeah it makes sense from a logical standpoint however it makes zero sense from a character standpoint mm -hmm. no, that's totally because fair. the character of lewis creed would never drug judd well yeah but and i don't know so in like the way that their relationship is in this movie it's more plausible if you well, only contain it to this movie but if you look back at the other material, you're like, yeah, to your point, like he would never do that. Yeah, it's to the, his the friend. The character, the character of Lewis in this movie is, like I said, it, the performance I feel is better, but the character is way worse. The character yeah. is unlikable. He's bland, and you have a hard time feeling for him. Whereas, even with the wooden acting in the 1989 version of the of Pet cemetery, mm -hmm. you care about Lewis. You want him to succeed. You want his family to be happy. You want him to be happy. Yeah. He shows a sweetness and uh, a heart and an empathy. Whereas in this one, the only empathy you really get is with Pascal at the beginning, where he's like didn't want him to die. Mm -hmm. Then after that, he's just like, there's nothing. Yeah, you know, like we talked about how uh, when his wife is talking about Zelda. And he's like, oh, my God, I need to, you're I'm going to go get you something like and is like really caring. And in this one, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. And this one dead sister. Yeah, yeah. Basically, in this one, he's just kind of like, well, you mean the sister that died when you were young? You're just kind of like, man, you're kind of rushing over this stuff. First of all, not letting it have room to breathe. Mm -hmm. And then you're making the character seem like a heartless jerk instead of this empathetic man that he is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
So I think I don't really like um, the casting in this movie. I just wanted to say that. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I like the little girl, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's a big part of it. And it's not that the actors are doing bad jobs. They're doing as well as they can. Mm-hmm. But the material they're given, yeah, it's just, I mean, I don't think, uh, you know, Lawrence Olivier could act his way out of some of this stuff. It's just rough stuff. <laughs> I mean, you give you you give a Fred Gwynn this script, he would probably not be as good. He, I mean, he'd still be awesome, but he would not be as good. I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. you on, I'm going to put you on the spot. You have to recast uh, John Lithgow's character, or uh, the actor. Mm-hmm. Who do you put in as Judd? As Judd? In this movie, I really don't think it matters. Better. With the writing the way it is, I don't really think it matters. Um, you don't think it would have... Uh... No, because I don't think fair. I don't think Lithgow is the problem. I think Lithgow is 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 a very great. It's a great actor, a very fine actor. Uh, who would you put him? Who would you replace him? Uh, I don't know, but uh, I was just curious. <laughs> well, now I put you on the spot, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> man, who would I put? I would fucking Tom Hanks, man. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, maybe he'll be able to elevate the material. That's true. Now listen, guys. Sometimes dead is better. <laughs> I just, I wanted a different Lewis. Mm. I think that guy looks like a villain anyways. Like in general, I feel like I would cast him as a villain in a movie. He's usually, well, he plays a villain in a lot of movies. He usually is a villain. Sometimes he's the lead. I mean, he's great in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. He's a great hero in that movie. Um, I really like him in that. He is unfortunately in the terrible Terminator Genesis as John Connor. That movie's on par with this movie, damn it. <laughs> you know who I would have uh, cast in this movie? As Edward Lewis? Furlong. Get As out Lewis. of here. Now you're just being dumb. <laughs> he was already in Pet Cemetery 2, which we'll talk about sometime. <laughs> um, That's why I said it. But yeah, the. Uh, so Ellie's back. Ellie is going through her motions. Judd's murder in this movie is just flat out terrible. Yeah. So first of, for, for multiple reasons. First of all, in this one, she leaves her house. Judd is ready for her. She breaks into his house, somehow climbing up to the second story. They fake us out with the slicing of the Achilles tendon. No, no, no. So they totally played on the people that watched the original. Yes, which is the problem. Because if you're someone who had not seen that, you're probably like, what the, why are they, why are they doing this? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which makes this whole movie a giant money grab. Exactly. It makes it feel hollow because it's like they're just playing with the expectations of the people that saw the original and then they're just flipping them on their head. Mm-hmm. So they're like, <clears throat> they're going to expect them to cut the Achilles tendon. So we're going to linger on it. And then for somebody that's never seen it, they're just going to be like, why are we just watching this guy's is foot? Is this a shoe ad? Yeah, what is going on? And then when she does cut, it's a fine effect when it cuts the Achilles tendon. But his actual murder is much less memorable. Mm-hmm. First of all, the worst part of this movie, besides the ending, 
is this scene where Ellie randomly morphs into Judd's wife and has a and has a dialogue with him about and he's like you're not mine Linda or whatever the hell her name is you know you're not mine and it's like this old it's um Norma I want to say yeah Norma Norma so it's this really awkward scene and she first of all she's wearing the mask like I mean like she's fucking Michael Myers or something I hate the masks so hate much hate it hate it hate it so then she raises it up and she's this old woman and it's this terrible morphing effect where she's like, ah, I'll get you, Judd. Ah, and then trains tra back into Ellie, puts the mask down and then stabs him off screen. It's those damn Winnebago's, dude. The Winnebago's getting. So And that's why that kind of, of did the, uh... explain that kind of explained um Zelda for me in the first or in the original. Right. I was like, oh, <laughs> I kind of get that now. <laughs> yeah. So they did. So it's not Ellie. It's just. This yes. Thing. So exactly. So it's like the concept is fine, but the execution was terrible. Yeah. It was Confusing. just silly. It was cartoony and silly. Yeah. And they're wanting it to be dreadful and scary. It yeah, just and it's, was and it's confusing. I mean, I, yeah. this is my favorite horror movie, and I literally never even picked that up in the original, let alone this one, which just made it like more confusing. But now I kind of like can see and like put it together. So, are uh, I'm trying not to say Winnebago's are the uh, the Winnebago's are they shapeshifters or are they the uh, the ones who are cannibals? I think they're both. I think they can be both. I mean, it's just a legend, so there's. It's probably a different legend. They can be whatever yeah, they want to be. Yeah, it's probably multiple. Yeah. Things. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah. So Judd's killed off screen, and then uh, Rachel comes home with Gage, and talks to Lewis, and then Gage says, "Ellie," and Rachel sees Ellie for the first time, and it's. More of this, I mean, the girl's doing a great job, but it's the, the what you know, more of this dialogue like this. Hi, mommy. It's like, it's like they were like, hey, do you know how uh, the actor that played Lewis talked in, in, in Mary Lambert's movie? Talk like that through the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I just thought about it, and it that just what Derek just said made me think of Pumpkinhead. Where it's like you, you know, you bury your own, like you, you, like he brought this like demon thing there. I don't know, maybe I'm connecting dots in stupid places, but it kind of gave me like a pumpkin head vibe. We will talk about pumpkin head sometimes. I, I actually have a fondness for pumpkin head. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that one sometime. I think we should do oh, that yeah. one. Let's put a pin in pumpkin head. <laughs> um, because I think it's gorgeous to look at, but, um, so, back to this shit-tastic film. We, um, <laughs> the, so the last, the whole third act of this movie is like a terrible mini-slasher movie. It turns into a bad mini-slasher movie. Ellie breaks into the room with, uh, I mean, she attacks Rachel. Rachel locks her out. She breaks in, and there's like a whole slasher chase. She stabs her. 
Um, and then Lewis has left at this point to go check on dead Judd. And then she sneaks up beside her and stabs her again. And then she says something about mommy. And Rachel says, uh, don't call me mommy. You're not my daughter. Ellie's dead. Yeah. Which is a pretty good line. But then she stabs her again. And then... Twist starts, it. <laughs> yeah. And then starts dragging her to the cemetery. And this is where the movie just gets full-blown stupid. So the, this creature's plan now is to bury the rest of the family to create an undead family of zombies to walk the earth, essentially. It's an army. It's the beginning of an army. What? <laughs> what? How, what do you, how do you feel about this, Lydia? You, you, you talk about the ending for a while. Let me, let me hear what you think about this ending. Well, okay, so they, I mean, I really want to like it because I've always just wanted my own little zombie family. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know, something about it. I was just like, yeah, okay, like zombie family, let's do that. (laughs) And this movie was terrible, so we might as well make the ending like completely ridiculous. Derek, what do you think? I didn't about- explain much. <laughs> I, uh, I actually thought that the ending was the best part of the movie. Not I did too, because the credits rolled. But, uh, yeah. No, I uh, with the choices that they made in the film, both uh, with uh, like switching the kids, making them making the one a little older. Um, I felt like that was really a. You know, with those choices, that was a good direction for them to have gone. I'm not saying it was the right direction, but it was, uh, you know, it it was a, I thought it was the best part of the movie. So here are my thoughts (laughs) on the ending of this movie. Last week, you remember, we talked about the ending of Mary Lambert's movie and how Mm -hmm. I thought that the ending was out of place. Yep. How I thought that the, as great as the gore looked when Rachel comes back, it was not in, it was not in tone with the thoughtful, smart movie we had gotten up to that point. That Stephen King's original ending, where we just see Rachel's hand on Lewis's shoulder, is a much stronger ending. Yep, I agree with that. This movie. This movie has that same problem. The movie that they're telling up to this point, even with some of the like absolute ridiculous uh, um, things that are going on, um, at the core of it, it's still a relatively grounded, dreadful movie, right? And the ending that they talked about how they talked about this ending, and I, I've heard interviews with this about the ending that it's how completely dark it is. Like it's such a dark ending, right? Because the, you know, the whole family kind of dies. But is it a dark ending or is it just a goofy ending? Because my problem with the ending is that it's implausibly goofy to me. Because you have this movie where 
we have these events occur and you have this dreadful kind of pall cast over the film. So that's what I mean. That's what they were going for. I didn't feel it, but that's what was supposed to be going on. And then you end it with not only her stabbing Rachel and then burying her and bringing her back from the dead, but then Lou is strangling her, then being killed and buried and brought back from the dead. Then the whole undead family walking up to the car with Gage and ends on a horrible beep beep sound effect. Just comes off to me, comes off to me as flat out goofy. And that to me is what makes this move or this ending so bad. Not necessarily the, you know, not the, the fact of what occurs occurs, but the execution of what occurs. And the fact that it just does not feel like it's tonally in line with the, the story it's telling. Just like I thought Mary Lambert's movie ending didn't fit in line with the story they were telling. I'm just going to say it. I think it's stupid. <laughs> I just don't see the in-character motivation for it. There's, I don't feel like there's an in-character motivation. If yeah. the creature would have been talking about the whole time, I need to build an army, or we need to take over this world, or these well, sort of things. I think the time that they gave uh, between the the father and the daughter, like once he brought her back, right? Because she she was a an alert being at that point, right? So in the original movie, you know, Gage is just like a little killing machine, right? It's not he doesn't have an alternative like an, an alternative uh, ulterior motive, motive. Or, yeah or uh, any other objective except the only thing he does is he kills people and she like in, in the beginning of like her coming back like she has some sort of character that she is playing other than just like a cold-blooded killer so I go ahead no go ahead and, and so like I, I can kind of get it from that point of you know once they start killing it for me it's not a a big leap to say hey you know what i'm gonna especially if like if it's more of like a, symbi a symbiotic relationship that the like entity has with the host where you know i've brought you or you got brought back and so now i want like more of those I, they definitely would have benefited from adding more to the movie to set that plot up for sure. Even if it was like a, you know, he's doing some research and sees that this happened a long time ago with an Indian tribe or something like that. And like, they, they could have definitely set it up because it was kind of out of nowhere. I agree with uh, your assessment of that, except for the fact that we don't know if she had sent, if she was sitting, sentient during that time, or if it was the creature pretending that she was sentient during that time. Yeah, and I think that even Be, because that, uh, motive. because if if we go by your logic that she was sentient, then it doesn't make sense that she just randomly flips out and starts killing people like for no reason. Yeah, and I'm curious about the book, like how the book would explain that. I kind of want to read the book too, but um, I just feel like because when in the original they were talking about Timmy, and he mm -hmm. was just like full on zombie when he mm -hmm. came out, and even in the uh, Pet Cemetery 2, which we haven't talked about yet, but um, it's just very, like, clearly zombie character 
like and even gage was like uh biting you know ate half of judd's face yeah like i feel like they should kind of and the wendigo itself is kind of was used as like a metaphor for cannibalism and like trying to get people to not like native americans not to eat each other when it was like cold and they didn't have any food you know right right like, well and like she even makes a comment that she is connected to the woods like she's yeah like, which i love that i love that line yeah yeah i can hear the woods yeah i can I hear feel really bad for the like I, I wish that the mom would have just left gauge it the in-laws i mean well I, that's another problem i have uh uh, I like that cliffhanger. Logistically, I mean, I get why they did it because they wanted to end it on like a downer note or or what have you. Except that I found all of it ridiculous and not scary, and I didn't care about the characters. That it didn't bother me at all. I'm like, I don't care what happens in this world. I really don't. Um, but there's just a lot of world building that's not in this movie. That's in the novel, and that's not even that's even in the Mary Lambert's original. The, the mm -hmm. world just flat. The characters just, they don't, I don't feel like the characters have motivation. They just move from plot to plot because that's what the character is supposed to do. Yeah. Like you said with, with uh, you know, Lewis is just kind of like, in the original, he's just so grief struck and you can see that, that he makes these decisions and then he's like, oh crap, now I've got to figure out how to fix this decision. Now I've got to figure out how to fix this decision. Whereas in this one, he's just kind of, he brings back Ellie because that's what Lewis's character is supposed to do. He, you know, tries to kill her because that's what Lewis's character is supposed to do. You know, Ellie kills Judd because that's what the that surrogate of that character is supposed to do. Judd's supposed to Judd dies because Judd's supposed to die. As opposed to there being clear motivations for such things. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, very cookie cutter. Yeah. Um how long was this movie? How long? Yeah. Too uh, long. <laughs> about two hours too long. <laughs> uh, it is one hour and 41 minutes. You know, one, I, uh, how long they originally think. Go ahead, Derek. They could have benefited greatly from adding some material to this movie. Well, we're talking about. Even if it's. Go ahead. We were talking about economy earlier, right? The economy mm -hmm. of storytelling. This movie's one hour and 41 minutes, and we have a lot of unanswered questions, and everything felt rushed, and what have you. Mary Lambert's 1989 Pet Cemetery is an hour and 43 minutes. It's literally two minutes longer, but is much more cohesive. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's all about, uh, like, they chose to, to do some silly stuff with their time. Whereas there was just so much more substance with the, you know, that little bit of time or extra that they had in the original. It was just a deeper story. It was more fulfilling. All right. So let's get to our ratings for this movie and let's compare it to the original. So I'm going to start with you, Lydia. What would you, how many pumpkins would you give Pet Cemetery 2019 and... What are your thoughts on it versus the original? I think I'm going to give it a two pumpkins out of, out of ten. ten? Um, just, I don't know. I don't even know. Um, like I said, the staple scene, I really liked. 
uh, the staples and the hair brushing. Um, it could have been done better, but yeah, there was like probably like a couple of things. And I actually wrote down um, the bird, like when the cat brings in, mm. you know, the rat in the original. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't. I don't think we talked about that, but um, he drops a rat in the bathtub, and it's like the fakest looking rat. And I was yeah. like, well, the bird in this one looks way better than that rat did. That's true. I can't argue that. So high praise. So that's I'm gonna give them two pumpkins for those two scenes. Okay. Derek, you're <laughs> rating. Uh I'm gonna give it a four. So I think I gave the last one a six, right? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe after I watch this one, that one bumps up to a seven. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I give this no, one a four. I gave the last one a seven. Because I think I gave it an eight, and she gave it a uh, ten. We'll have to check the footage on that one. Yeah. But uh, I would give this one a four. I mean, it really uh, the the character choices. I don't. And again, like we know that these people are good actors, so it, it probably was one hundred percent the direction that they were given to take their characters. But uh, you know, there were just aspects of this movie that really um, were hurt because of the storytelling aspect or the script. Um, you know, it had some cool things going for it, but uh, in all, it was just, it was a it was a poor movie. I give it also two out of 10 pumpkins. I never go, today. I never go that low. But <laughs> so if you would have asked me before I rewatched it this last time, I would have probably given it four, Derek. I probably would have given it four out of four out of 10 pumpkins. But after last night, I was watching it. Maybe it was the mood I was in. Maybe I might need to give it a, a third watch. I just don't see myself doing that. But um, after last night, and after I watched it, I liked it less than I did the first time. Um, because I guess it wasn't like just the shock of things happening. I knew what was going to happen. So I was critiquing it more. And I just found it to be... Uh, sloppy and not very compelling. I think that there was bad creative choices for sure. And I just was kind of bored through the movie. It felt like it was like two and a half hours long and it was an hour and 41 minutes. I felt the same way. I rem I kept checking at the time like, oh God, what? how much longer does this movie have? And then what's really crazy is that's all during the first half. The second half, when interesting stuff is actually occurring, like I looked, I had to pause it at one point uh, to go to the bathroom and I had 10 minutes left. And I was like, so wait a minute. In these next 10 minutes is where she kills Rachel, kills who kills Lewis, who buries themselves. And then they come back for Gage in the last 10 minutes. That's a lot of shit in that last 10 minutes. So it's a two out of 10 pumpkins for me as well. Um, last quick notes. Um, my one favorite scene of the movie, the scene that I liked, is the one that you talked about, Derek, with the with the feet in the in the water. Mm -hmm. And I um, adore John Lithgow just for being John Lithgow and, and being alive on this planet for us to enjoy. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, best scene of. Um, Let's let's do like a, a worst scene from the '89 version compared to the best scene from this one. Oh, what do you guys think of that game? Real fast. 
Sure. Okay, Derek, you go first. What's the worst scene of 89 compared to the best scene of this one? And then which is a better scene? Uh, I would say the worst scene for me in the 89 version is the kitchen scene where they're talking about death mm-hmm. and telling Ellie if something happens to church. And it's only because of the delivery that the actor gives. It is so bland and without emotion that it just takes away from like the impact that that scene probably should have. He would have conveyed some sort of emotion about it. <clears throat> Best scene in this movie? Oh, man. <laughs> I'm gonna say... The water scene? You can say that again if you want. <laughs> man, I can't think of another one that that even really comes close. Like... It, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to say the water scene. That's sad. Okay, so which one is better? Water. Which scene would you have if you had to watch a scene on loop? Which one would you rather watch? Uh, the water scene because it's it's visually it's it's got some pleasing <laughs> aspects to it. Okay, Lydia, worst scene, best scene. Um, okay, so I think the worst scene for me from the first one is when he, when Lewis is sitting, um, I think he's at, oh, he, I think he just dug up Gage at the cemetery and he's like talking, um, about what he's about to do. And it's like really weird dialogue and it's just like kind of a weird scene. Like, why are you sitting there talking to yourself? Or like, I, I mean, it. I don't know if he's, maybe he's talking to Gage, but he's, you know, it's just a weird, awkward scene to me. Uh, and I'm trying to think of a best scene in this one. <laughs> That's more um, than what I was struggling. It's great. Uh, but Is that the water scene? I can't remember the water scene. I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I even want to go back to look at it, though. But um, I might have to go look at that scene. But I'm trying to think. I get, even comparing it to like the hair raking scene, I think I would still just rather watch the old one <laughs> with the terrible dialogue. And I don't know. Yeah, I think I just I really just like watching older movies. So that's kind of like just a downfall for me sometimes. When I'm like, I don't want I don't like this because it's new. <laughs> I'm uh, let me think. Worst scene of 89. It's kind of hard for me. I genuinely like most of the scenes of that movie. Um, Worst scene. I'd have to say uh, worst scene is um, when, it'd have to be just a Lewis dialogue scene, probably. It'd have to be one of the Lewis's dialogue scenes because I can't, I don't want to say the same ones that you guys have said, which is the the ones that I think are the worst scenes. Let's use another Lewis dialogue scene. How about when he says, um, wow, that's, that's a lot harder. I was trying to think of him, and then you stole mine, and then you, you stole the other one. Uh, you know, I think the uh, funeral scene. Okay, yeah, the funeral scene's pretty bad, but it's, it's, not, it's not that bad. I think, okay, uh, worst scene of 89 is the uh, Lewis talking to the in-laws on the phone. <laughs> Yeah, if she's not here. Yes. I'll have her give you a call. <laughs> yes. Okay, bye. That's the worst scene of the okay, evening. 
That is the worst scene in the Indian version. Granted, right? That's my worst scene. The best scene of this movie was, um, oh boy. I would say when, uh, I'm not gonna say when the credits roll because I was really close to saying it. <laughs> but I would say the best scene of this movie is probably um, the scene with Judd, uh, what's it, Judd's dialogue with uh, Ellie. That's my favorite scene, we'll say. Because I, I like, I mean, it's not as strong, but it's still Lithgow. He's still being sweet-ish. I mean, he's kind of creepy, but still fine. Um, I would rather watch uh, Lewis's terrible dialogue scene. <laughs> For sure. Just because, I mean, at least I get a laugh out of that. The Lithgow one, I'm like, you're so good. What are you doing in this? Yeah, movie? yeah. I. It's really funny because at one point in my notes, I wrote, Judd is still a really sweet character. And then like a couple lines later, I was like, Judd is a liar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he, he is. And that's what's Thanks, interesting. Bobby. He just doesn't have the, the, the layers and color to him that he has in the originals. Mm -hmm. um, which, I mean, he's a, he's a man of contradictions. He makes some bad decisions. His intentions are always good. But it's like, plus, I mean, the presence of, of Fred Gwynn is just unmeasurable. The camera loves his face. You know, yeah. here's a thought. Here's a thought. So you said that they're going to do a, another version. Of they're, yes, they're doing a new pet cemetery. Or... We just don't know what it is. Okay. This would be a really good miniseries. I agree. If they did a even more direct adaptation from the book to include some of the things that they miss to fill in the gaps and things like that. I think it was a, a said House on Haunted Hill. Hill. Is that yeah, what it's Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, kind of like Haunting of Hill House. Oh my God, right. that would be so good. That would be really good. That would be really good. Um, <laughs> Call Netflix. I hope that that's what they're doing. My fear is that they're gonna try to sequelize it. Dude, you okay. know they're gonna do it. Yeah. And if they do decide to do it, man, uh, again, I hope that they they either they don't even have to bring back the original actress, but like build off of the original that you had. If you do that, survivor, I will be fine with that. I would be hundred percent fine with that. Yeah, I'm afraid I'm they're I'm afraid they're going to sequelize this movie. I'm sure they're going to, and that terrifies How? me. How would they yeah. do that? The fit, the undead family living down the street, man. Yeah. <laughs> There's your sitcom. This family, I don't know. Oh, oh. they'll join forces with Tim Burton. Oh, oh no. <laughs> well, uh, any final thoughts, you guys? Um, just looking at my notes, I actually, I should have said when we were talking about best scenes from this movie, I should have said when SpongeBob was on the TV. Because <laughs> that, that was got, much more I, enjoyable. I literally, in my notes, I wrote down, I'd rather be watching SpongeBob than this. Oh, my God. <laughs> You want to know what my thoughts are about this movie? What's that? Uh, don't waste your time, and I'm having more fun watching my cat pick food up off the floor because his bowl is empty than I did to watch that movie. <laughs> I It is also a hard not recommended for me because uh, it's not even um, so bad it's good. And it's not that it's an incompetently made film. There's still some... I mean, there's some really pretty shots in there. Uh, it's I like the the uh, 
aspect ratio, the widescreen aspect ratio. Um, it's well lit. It's just also hollow and lazy, I feel like, soulless. Um, and that's no fault of the filmmakers necessarily. It's just that it's what they're saddled with. Um, so yeah, hard, no recommend for me. Did you guys catch the uh, other Stephen King references going on in the background? I did not. Uh, I was probably just, uh, you know, looking at your watch, watching the movie. <laughs> I was like only paying attention to the background because it was more interesting than what was going on in the foreground. <laughs> so I caught two references. Um, they're at the birthday party. Uh, they're talking about Cujo in the background. Oh, right. Did you catch yes. that? Yes, I did catch that. And when they're traveling on the highway, there's a sign that says 20 minutes from Derry. Oh, I missed that one. And there's probably more, I would assume. I I mean, maybe not, but I feel like two is a low, is a low number for some, you know, Stephen King references. But um, yeah, I don't know the rest. I'd be interested if anybody listening would know and comment. Yeah, uh, definitely. That might be in there. And if you guys have any comments about this particular film or any questions that we missed, um, you can comment down below and send them our way, and we may or may not address them next week. <laughs> um, you guys have anything else before we go? Nope. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening to Screen Bloody Movies. Um, be sure to like and subscribe. Um, Visit the website at uh, highlightproductions.com and uh, stay tuned for more updates. Next next week, we'll have some updates on the upcoming uh, movie we are about to shoot. So that'll be interesting and exciting. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that, maybe give a little bit of um, some plot details away. Um, but until then, uh, enjoy watching movies, continue to keep the horror torch alive. And remember, if you're gonna scream, to scream bloody movies. Thanks. <laughs>